Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Last week we heard from Matthew, a 15-year-old young man He was brought into counseling by his mother, Elizabeth. Matthew felt responsible for his parents' unhappiness. He saw that his mother was depressed and she should be the one in therapy. This episode will continue the discussion. We will transition from Matthew's voice to hearing from his mother, Elizabeth. Just some basic background information. Elizabeth is in her mid-30s. She met Matthew's father in high school. They were in love and she was happy at the time. In the passion of their early relationship, she discovered she was pregnant. And although scared and terrified at times, she felt that the pregnancy would bring them closer together. Elizabeth explained, I am from Russia, a rural community. My parents are Catholic, and I am Catholic. My family moved here when I was young. I lived in America all my life, but consider myself to be Russian because I still practice many of the cultural traditions. I speak Russian, German, and English. Growing up in my family, we spent a lot of time together. We communicated with other relatives over the phone very frequently. My parents taught me to be independent at an early age. As a result, I rarely got into trouble. Now, my parents spoke English and they communicated to all my schools, to all my teachers to make for sure that I was doing well. However, I got a lot. I got away with a lot of stuff. I never had curfews. I had the freedom to kind of go out in the community and spend time with friends. Um, Although I never went over many people's houses. 
My mom and dad took me and my sisters to dance classes and art classes. We were close of, as a family, all five of us. My parents believe that once you're an adult, you should figure out your way in the world. They will help out, but the goal is to start your own family and be independent. There was no domestic violence, no abuse in my home. I do recall a time when my sister and I were at camp. My sister and I were swimming. We were pulled underwater. I was holding her hand, but could not keep it longer. So I let go. She died. It was an accident, but my parents and other sister, we were all sad all of the time. We never talked about the incident as a family. I just kept things to myself because in part, I believed it was my fault. I was her older sister and should have been more responsible. Sometimes when people say bad things or criticize me, it triggers me. It makes me think that my sister's death once again was my fault. But I'm not sure if this is all connected or not. I was a quiet kid in school and had a few friends and got along with other kids. In high school, I was to myself a lot until I met Mark, my husband. He was a baseball player. He was good looking, intelligent, and very popular. We fell in love and we were happy. When I told him about the pregnancy, he was pleased and he wanted to marry. I wanted to marry him as well. And this is what you're supposed to do, being Catholic and all. My pregnancy with Matthew had its ups and downs. We were living with my parents um, at the earlier parts of the pregnancy. Mark was there a lot, and then he got a baseball opportunity. However, we decided he would have to limit his sports to get a job and pay for our family. I think he was upset and sad about this decision, but he knew it was the best thing for everyone. Eventually, by the time Matthew was one or two, we had our own house. We were living together, me, Mark, and Matthew. And this is when things started to get nasty between us. I felt like I was doing everything alone. Mark was gone all the time. He worked, hung out with friends, and still wanted to party. This was not what I expected a marriage to be. I was young and lonely. There were arguments about household responsibility and concerns of infidelity. I was raised that men should be actively involved in the home, like my dad, but Mark wasn't. I was raised that husbands should listen to their wives and comply with their request, but Mark didn't. If it weren't for our Catholic faith, we would have divorced early on in our marriage. We talked and argued about divorce most of our marriage. It was Matthew and me for the first few years. We did everything together and had so much fun. I felt we were close. When I was sad or tearful, he would come and hug me. When I was lonely, he would watch TV with me. I was happy being a mom just not a wife to Mark. Matthew and I 
would visit my sister a lot. She had an art studio in Hollywood, so it was a day trip for us. My sister and I would talk a lot about my marriage, how awful Mark was to me. This was my place to vent and cry. Matthew appeared to enjoy this as well. He would paint and paint and paint. He would create some beautiful pieces of art. Reflecting now, some of his art pieces seemed a little sad. I suspected Matthew was sad like me, that we both felt the same way and that it was the father, Mark's fault. However, things seemed to change as Matthew got older. He was mean to me. He would yell and call me names. A lot of the time, he treated me like his father treated me. I was always there for Matthew, and although he made it hard to be around him at times, I still tried my best. I noticed that when he was around 12, he started to hang out with different friends. Maybe he had different school friends. I felt at times he was using drugs because his behaviors changed so frequently. It was hard to have a conversation with him. He can be verbally abusive and aggressive. Now he never hit me, but he has thrown things in my direction and he has hit a hole in the wall. I remember things got terrible between us. It was during COVID and we were all home. Me, my husband, Matthew, and his siblings. We were forced to be together. It was hard on everyone. My husband and kids left to go to the store. I asked Matthew to do the dishes and clean up the trash in his bedroom. I don't think it's too much to ask. I want him to be responsible and he should be picking up after himself. It had become a big problem and he was not listening to me. He would turn the music up loud in his bedroom and ignore me altogether. I told Mark about it, and he did talk to him, but nothing changed. There were times where I would find a vape in his room, and sometimes he just acted like he was on drugs. I suspect marijuana or alcohol, but you never know nowadays. I was just tired of having to work so hard to get Matthew to do something simple. I lost it. I lost it, I lost it, I lost it, I lost it. I went to ask him again about picking up his room and he would not respond. So I picked up a container and threw it at him. I wasn't trying to hit him, I didn't want to hurt him. I was trying to throw it at his feet just to get his attention. Um, I accidentally hit him in the head. At the time, I was so mad, I was so hurt, but I couldn't be sympathetic. He just spoke to me in ways and I just reacted. I yelled back. I was able to calm down eventually. So later, I did apologize to him, but for the most part, he didn't talk to me. He rarely talks to me now. It reminds me of my sister's death. We don't talk about stuff in our family.
And now he stays in his room all day and if he needs something, he comes out. That's just kind of how it is. I suspect something is going on for him. Maybe he is depressed or perhaps using drugs. Perhaps it's a girl issue or maybe he can't get a canvas to be perfect in his mind. I, I don't know, but it is something. Elizabeth was patient in this process. She wanted help for her son and she had tried many things on her own, yet her stuff was coming up. At the surface, Elizabeth was lonely, sad, and angered. However, the shame and blame were buried deep down from her childhood. It was affecting her relationships with her husband and her son, Matthew. Elizabeth believed Matthew is an exceptional artist. He has a great talent, but she also believes that he is disrespectful and his behaviors are unpredictable. This is a trigger for her. I do encourage you to listen to next week's podcast to see how these issues are explored from a clinical perspective. Most clinicians and patients may, not, may want to start with the incident between Elizabeth and Matthew. We will get lost in this material, stories that people choose to share. Elizabeth's voice shared a painful memory of the death of her sister. She felt shame and she blamed herself. She was a young child, so the concept of death was confusing for her during this process. She internalized this shame and guilt, and this is what was imprinted unconsciously on her mind about how she understood herself. Elizabeth, along with her parents and sister, learned not to talk about painful family stuff. In an attempt to make sense of the incident, Elizabeth learned to internalize her feelings in order to survive similar to what her son Matthew was doing about his emotional expressions. There are family patterns that are being recreated. Along with many parents, Elizabeth had moments in her life as a parent she wished she could take back. I also have memories as a parent. I wish I had done things differently. Elizabeth wanted so badly to have a meaningful connection Yet, she felt helpless, like she, did it, like she did when she believed she couldn't save her sister from drowning. In both experiences, she was vulnerable and helpless. In the situation with Matthew, she reacted and she threw a can of paint at him. Elizabeth is not a bad parent. She is trying to figure out this parenting stuff while she has her own stuff coming up. She loves her son and she is conflicted at times because she knows he drives her crazy. I can relate. And unfortunately in our society, we don't talk enough about parenting challenges. Mothers at times absolutely don't like their sons. Mothers at times hate their kids. Mothers at times don't want to be affectionate, compassionate, or forgiving of their sons. Our children, mainly our sons, are brought into our lives to help us deal with our unresolved issues.
Some of these issues reside within the male-female dyad, and some of these issues result from previous unhealthy attachments. If you choose to listen, your son, our sons can help guide and direct you in this process if you're wanting to change. Remember, the key towards mental wellness is knowing thyself so you can heal. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient Kemetic Proverbs.